Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right. What's going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell. Our boy is back in town. Yeah. Raja is back in studio after a wild and crazy weekend of hitting the slopes, yes. right? Yes. Um, you know, when you go to rent your stuff, yeah. you have like picture there's a one you're a beginner there's nope. two you're intermediate and three like you're advanced i am a solid 1.25 there you go yeah like <laughs> solid though like nice. really adequate on the green binding yeah. set up straight yeah the heart so you're a beginner skier you'd only been a couple other times one, one other, other time, time for like 45 minutes i'd see i've always the newer skiers i've talked to yeah always say that getting off the lift is the scariest thing because you're coming in pretty hot oh i fell Goes. Oh, I fell the first time. Now, do they stop the whole thing, the whole lineup no. so that you can get up? Or are people like going right by? I you? like, I like, I held myself up for like two seconds just far enough that I wouldn't interfere with other people getting off. And then I fell. I yeah. love it. I, we got to get some video of you skiing on the slope. Oh, dude. Like, I so, see this. so I actually got like my, my younger, my middle son and I both were able to do like blues towards the end of it. But like, like, you know, easier blues. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I learned how to kind of turn it a little bit, but I have some funny video of me wiping out. Like, I tried to erase it. My wife kept oh, it. Oh, no. We need like, it for I, the uh, show. We're <laughs> on the show. We're going to have to get to that later in the week. We are Canel and Bell. We're presented by Citizen. Monster show. I cannot wait to get into the Russell Westbrook stuff as he goes after a fan in Utah. It's been right. a big, uh, popular topic on Twitter. We're going to get into that later in the show. I just, like, before we go, dude, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't, I just went back to Utah for the first time since I left, like, unceremoniously. Like, I really don't want to have to go in on utah right like are we right. going to do that today can i well, or you could maybe you i'm not going to go in on utah i got okay. it like i got right, it. Go, we'll let's go. Go. there's a lot of different angles that's yeah. we're going to get into all of them but it is free agency free agency officially starts tomorrow okay but the nfl has this weird thing called legal tampering mm-hmm. basically teams can start i don't know why why it's kind of stupid when you think about it like all the verbiage like every, that's involved every league has it and right? yet all these deals are being reported as done so they're not officially signed on the dotted line right but you're seeing a lot of teams start opening up their wallets and start making moves Pete prisco's list the top free agents check this out we've already got six out of the ten are already locked into deals including his number one guy trey flowers um who's going to go to detroit you got landon collins the uh, former safety with the Giants. He's going to the Redskins standard division. Trent Brown. A number of these deals. CJ Mosley we just read. The Ravens didn't want to franchise him at 15 million a year. Thought they wanted him back. But this is the risk you run when you're willing to let guys walk. A lot of times, they're going to be another team out there that says, if you don't want to pay him, we will. And good for CJ Mosley and everybody else in this list who gets their big money. Somebody who's not on that list was probably the biggest signing of the day. It was probably the most uh expected signing because it was reported about actually about a week ago was Nick Foles going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. He gets four years, eighty eight million. Again, I can't emphasize this enough. When you hear these deals, all of them, and you hear the total number, just ignore it. Go, what is the guaranteed right. number? Because the, the big number doesn't matter. It's always the second number. Fifty million of that is guaranteed for Nick Foles. The Jaguars go make him their guy, which I am not surprised about. I am surprised with the amount of money, it's yeah. the largest amount of guaranteed money in team history, I guess it means that they're probably moving on uh, in the draft as far as drafting a young quarterback because they're going all in. It makes him the seventh highest paid quarterback in the NFL, which is a little bit absurd as far as guaranteed money goes. But the Jaguars are all in. They're saying, hey, we've seen enough of the Blake Bortles era. Let's get the Nick Foles era start. Yeah, all right. So I have a few things here. Good for Nick Foles. Yep. Um, all of these. That should go without saying. Yeah, good. Like, yeah. Some of these are going to be awful signings, 
and the guy's going to be set for life, good for the player. Good for like, you. It's up to the team to make those uh, evaluations. I, I, so from what I understand, there wasn't a huge market for Nick Foles, right? So right. like, I'm trying to sift through this. So you're essentially bidding against yourself. I don't know that you have to negotiate. Like, why do you have to go up to seventh highest played, paid like quarterback in the league? And I get that like timing is everything when it comes to deals like this, but I don't know that you had to go that high to get Nick Foles. So the only thing I could really think of was like, you know, maybe his agent at some point was like, look, You've kind of had a dude in there, like, who's been kind of polarizing for a while, probably half the locker room, like, didn't want to maybe more than that. Like, some of them, why don't you just go all in? Let everybody know that your guy is going to, he's a franchise quarterback in your eyes as an organization. Paying, pay him as such, um, and, and then maybe, like, that will rally the troops behind him to some degree. Cause otherwise, I don't understand why you would have to come out of pocket, uh, to the degree, to the degree that they did when, when there wasn't anybody else really bidding for his services. Totally agree. Maybe the Redskins, uh, possibly a potential landing spot for Nick Foles, but you know, that doesn't look like it was appeared to be there. Maybe his agent was able to fool them into thinking there was a market yeah. there. Cause sometimes that happens too, but they've come out and said basically what you're saying is we wanted to make him our franchise yeah. quarterback and, and like a show of support. Here's the issue that comes with that. Go ask Kirk Cousins how it worked with that show of support. When he, when you all of a sudden you're the $50 million guy or the $88 million, whichever right. number you want to use when you're talking about Nick Foles, the team will see you one way. The fans will see you one way. So the perception of you is we're spending $50 million. You're the seventh highest paid Bring quarterback. Bring it. You better play like the seventh highest paid quarterback. And I don't necessarily know if Nick Foles is ready for that and the expectations of that. And that's going to make it really challenging on him and I think he's a player that needs help around him. If I'm Nick Foles, and I, and it's hard to, it's hard to put yourself in this position, but I'm thinking, maybe if I play for a little bit less, give me a better offensive line, give me some weapons. See, I know, I know what you're saying. Maybe this is my lack of confidence in myself from back in the day. Yeah. But I've been like, you know what? Give me a little bit less. I'll be set for life no matter what, but give me some help so I you're- can play here longer. You would have had that type of like like foresight and wherewithal, like as a young guy, never having been paid the way you think. I would have trusted. I think my agent probably would have given that. Like, like remember uh, Brock Osweiler when he went to Houston, he broke the bank, and I remember saying the exact same thing about him. He would have been better off to succeed because he needed players around him. Because he broke the bank, they couldn't afford to, and he was a disaster. So he might have been a disaster no matter what. But if I'm Nick Foles, I'm thinking I need some playmakers. I need some help around. If you if you said to me, hey, I have X, Y, and Z lined up as playmakers for you, so all you then have to do is take like $3 million less, and I guarantee you I'll get you X, Y, and Z, and they're all playmakers, maybe. But if you're just saying, hey, dude, look, take $5 million less and trust me to go out and get – like, I can't do that, dude. That's my money. You know what I mean? You a pretty good point there. But like for the $50 million guaranteed, if you would have bumped that down to forty. Yeah. You could have spent some of that money somewhere else. I think he would have a better chance of reaching some of the incentives that are in there for 104 million that he, that he has a better chance of getting an extension after the first two years. I guarantee. Yeah. You want that guarantee, guarantee. buddy. Every um, player does. And so, again, this is the luxury of the NBA guys. They don't have to worry about it. You, you hit on something that I was going to, that I was going to talk about. And I talk about it with NBA guys and max guys in the NBA, right? And the quarterback position is essentially like your max slot in the NBA, right? Those are the guys that get max money. You, I gotta be able to put a saddle on your back, and you gotta be able to take me to the promised land. Right. Regardless of what I got around you, regardless of whether, like, the plays are scripting out the way I told you they were gonna script out, I don't care what the refs are doing in the NBA, I gotta be able to give you the ball and get me 40 points and win this playoff game. I gotta be able to give you the ball and say, listen, I need four touchdowns, one pick, and you gotta have the game winning drive on your arm, let's get it done. 
for you to be in a top seven Absolutely. tier paid quarterback. And I don't think Nick Foles is in that. Category. I agree. That's where I look at this, and I'm just a little bit perplexed and really curious to see uh. how this plays out. So we'll have to watch how that goes. Another guy who was number two on Pete Prisco's list was Landon Collins, uh, the former Giants yeah. uh, safety. Mm-hmm. When I saw the Giants let him walk, it was a head scratcher to me. I'm like, uh-oh, what are, what are they doing? Like, not only a good, solid producer. A young. Young. Yeah. But a good professional. Right. He's a, he's a guy who's your consummate pro. I, right. I don't think I, it might have, I think we talked about this because it was two years ago I was at the Super Bowl in Minneapolis. Right. And I went to the hotel gym. It was like 6 or 7 a.m. You did tell me this story. Landon Collins was in there. Yeah. He was getting some work in. Just like getting a sweat. Ended up talking to him for a few minutes. Right. But like, most guys go out, they're hungover, they're not getting work in it. Sure. But I thought that spoke to like it does tell you something about him. Yeah. And like his attitude from all reports that the locker room, like he was holding guys accountable. Eli Apple, who they eventually traded away, he called him out and was like, "Hey, this dude needs to to get in line, like needs to be a better pro." And right. he called him out as a young player, like calling out another young player. So from that standpoint, I thought the Giants lost a really solid guy, like a good character guy, and also a good producer in the locker room. The biggest knock against him. Was that he struggled in, uh, pass, passing, passing situations. Like, right. good box safety coming down for run support. Uh, you know, you see all the tackles, tackles for loss, QB hits, all those things. Pass defended eighth, interceptions 23rd. I still think in football, it's a physical sport. I would take a guy like this who's physical and plays a little bit old school and you can mask him a little bit in the pass game where it's worth it. And I, I think it's, it is a lot of money. But I think the I think the Redskins are getting an incredible player in Landon Collins. Yeah, I, look, I'm with you. I can't speak to like the nuances of football and whether you know a gazelle right. that intercepts passes is better than right. a physical dude that's going to come downhill and, and help you stop the run and all that. What I will say is, well, it's like, interesting. As, Real quick, I don't mean yeah. to interrupt you. But the top two guys, Landon Collins and Tyron Matthew, as far as highest paid safeties in the league. Tyron Matthew, obviously, getting paid by the Chiefs. They're totally opposite. Tyron Matthews a little bit more. He's, he's a ball hawk. Yeah, he's a ball hawk. Yep. He's a guy that can you move all around. He's versatile. He can line up against anyone. Anyway, but I think it shows they're both getting fourteen million per year. Some teams have styles they like. Yeah, it's the way it's the way you want to build your defense, right? Like it's what your culture is going to be, and that's what I was going to talk about with the Giants. Is like you went out and you locked up Odell Beckham Jr., which which I supported one hundred percent. Like I think Odell's awesome, but at some point with teams, you are trying to establish culture and who you're going to be. And having guys like Landon Collins, um, if he's if he is that consummate professional, if he's the guy that's going to kind of kind of lead your defense and have a voice and, and teach younger guys how to be professionals, and sometimes that's a value, not just what he can do on the field, not just whether he leads the league in tackles from the safety position or twenty third in the league in terms of you know interceptions. You're talking about a guy who you can build around foundationally, who represents what you want to represent. Uh, and sometimes teams, the good teams, put stock in stuff like that. Um, the teams that find themselves like in the middle ground and always searching for an identity, they don't typically put stock in stuff like that. Jalen Ramsey, uh, Jaguars cornerback, sent out a tweet. He said, so a, quote, box safety getting quarter money now. And he had the eyeballs out there. It's time to keep moving this market. Ballers get paid. I remember when I was on the Giants, Jason Seahorn was a defensive back for the Giants. Mm-hmm. He was about to be a free agent. And I remember the year before he had free agency, he was looking at all these other quarter uh, cornerbacks getting mm-hmm. paid, defensive backs. And his eyes were just lighting up because he knew that was going to be sure, him sure. one day. So you're like, yeah, 
everybody gets paid more. That means I'm getting paid more. Right. And it sounds like what Jalen Ramsey is starting to think there too. I think the thing that's really interesting. There was there any shade there with box safety though? Like is that a no. dig? Is that a dig? Or like do safeties want to be known as either like box safeties or no, I feel like, like that's a little up. like that's a little like no. I think it's a little bit, but I think Landon Collins is self aware enough okay. to know like that's his strength. Right. But here's what I think is really interesting and what fits perfectly for both these teams because Tyron Matthew, who got three years, uh, forty two million from the Chiefs. Look at the styles of play within their division. The Redskins, who yeah. just signed Landon Collins, they're going to face the Giants, who like to run the ball downhill with Saquon Barkley. Yeah. The Redskins are a little bit old school. And the Cowboys yeah. are trying to run the ball. Right. So they need a box safety. Right. The Chiefs, on the other hand, they're going against the Chargers, the Raiders. Uh, you know, they see this, this offense every day in practice. They yeah. see the new passing styles that are out there. They're thinking, good hey, point. We got to help. We got to, if we want to win our division, which should be your ultimate goal, you've got to plan accordingly. So that's what it looks like from them. Speaking of the Raiders, so they go out and make their and trade for Antonio Brown. Then this one for me, it was kind of like the Nick Foles deal. I get that you want to shore up your offensive line, but they go up and get offensive tackle Trent Brown. Uh, who was on the Patriots, they gave him a four-year, $66 million deal. Again, don't pay attention to that number. It's 36.75 guaranteed money. It makes him the highest of an offensive lineman in the NFL. He's expected to take over the left tackle job. I just feel like Trent Brown was a guy who was not that long ago, was plagued with injuries, had a really good year. I don't think it was an exceptional year. I just feel like it, if these teams would just wait 24 hours, 48 hours, <laughs> Let the market see what happens. No. But they're not. They're impatient. Mike Mayock, the new GM, John Gruden, they're like, we got money to spend. Let's go spend it. I don't know how this is going to – if this – like all these deals, yeah. I wonder if they're going to be like, yeah, that was money well spent. Right. I don't know if the Raiders or the Jaguars are going to feel that way. Well, see, this is interesting to me. Like, again, um, so you have him – he's in New England, right? Yeah. Everything comes out really quick. Yep. Right? Balls are coming out quick. That can kind exactly. of that – can, that can mask – like some of your deficiencies as a tackle, right? And I get you're trying to shore it up for Derek Carr because in theory with Antonio Brown, right? You're talking about downfield five, seven step drops. Like you have to have somebody, but that's a different style than what he was exactly. playing with with Tom Brady, right? So I'm kind of with you in that. And the only other thing, like when I, when I read it and I was like, let me look around. Nate Soldier left there, right? Yep. He, he, went he, to the Giants. he went to the Giants. Was that last year? Yep. He didn't have the same type of production. Like, nope. Dante Scarnecchia is like one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. Like, I can't believe that I know that because I just looked it up. <laughs> but no, real talk though. So when you take guys out of that situation and stylistically what they're going into doesn't match, you do run a risk of that guy not living up to the price tag you paid for him. I know it's what the Patriots do because they're willing to let veterans walk. They don't back up the truck, but I would always be a little bit nervous of signing a guy that the Patriots were willing Absolutely. to with. You Absolutely. know, like, hey, if they're not going to pay him. Red flag. What's wrong with him. Yeah. Now the Patriots do have Isaiah Wynn, who they drafted uh, last year, who sat out, who was injured uh, all the season, who they're expected to take over a tackle for him. But again, that's like the Patriot way. They're going to get a guy on a rookie deal who's pretty cheap. Right. And I bet when Isaiah Wynn hits free agency in a few years, they'll be like, that's so ah, well, right, we'll let him go. You know, and they just keep kind of look, the circle continues. When you have, when you have like a great eye for talent. And then you've got a great player development guy and a great coach in place that can mold that talent. Like you can do that. You can just keep getting new ones, have it molded within a year or so to what you want it to be and never really have to pay it. That's a great luxury to have. What was your take on the Antonio Brown? On the yeah. trade? Yeah. The, what was it? He the third? forced his way out. Yeah. And he did something that we haven't seen done before. And some people were bitter about it. A lot of fans, a lot of old school of mentalities were like, ah, oh, I don't like it. Yeah. 
Good for I, him. Good for him. Yeah, bro. And I think there's a chance that he could actually be happy with Gruden. I don't think it translates to the Raiders winning necessarily. Because right. I'm really curious if they don't, if they're not good, how does it work out? But I think Gruden's going to get him the ball a lot. I think he's going to get a lot of production. So from that standpoint, I think it could work. Year one isn't what I'm evaluating. I think he'll be awesome. I do. Yeah. Like now, whether they as a team are awesome and they can hook, I think he'll be the best version of himself. Once things settle in and you're past the honeymoon period, like that's when I'm looking to see what, what Antonio Brown is. And then from the Steelers. Yeah, because this is the honeymoon period. This is the honeymoon. Like the first year is going to be straight honeymoon. Yep. Um, and from the Steelers, like I get that you want, a, you probably wanted a higher draft pick. Yeah. But dude, it's a d- addition by subtraction to some degree. Like you don't have that, you don't have that headache around anymore. He was a what? Fifth round pick or a sixth round pick? Sixth round pick. You got a third and a fifth for him? Is that what you got? Yeah, but that's a little bit misleading because he clearly is the what? best or second best receiver in the league. Yeah, but if you look at it, they can say, hey, maybe with that third and fifth, we can find the next Antonio. Who knows? Yeah. And you had to get rid of him anyway. Yeah. Like that's that the thing. was like the you thing. had to get rid of him. This showed you how bad and how toxic the relationship was with Antonio Brown and the Steelers for sure. So it'll be fun. All right, back at it, Canel and Bell. NBA news. This was the story that was trending all night long. Everyone has their takes. Russell Westbrook and the Thunder are playing in Utah. As happens occasionally, mm. fans start heckling Russell Westbrook. He gets after the fan. Yeah. Comes back at him. Doesn't mm. doesn't remain silent. Comes out. You have the video of him. He is uh, heard on the tape saying he would, quote, bleep him up and do the same to his wife. Uh I'll let you have first crack at this one. Uh, who is in the right? Who is in the wrong? And what does the NBA do about it? I think that everyone here is in the wrong. Um, I do not support uh, Russell Westbrook as an NBA player um, engaging with fans to that degree, right? Um, as an NBA player. As a human being, it happens. Like you have people up there while you're out there competing saying all kind of things to you, right? Like, And fans – feel like they're part of the game, especially when they sit that close. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, they feel like they're actually having an impact on the game. And some of them can do that in a in a respectful way, and some of them can't. And so when you cross the line and you start saying personal stuff, and, and according to Russ, you know, the guy said some pretty personal uh, uh, stuff to him, uh, people are going to, like, lose their cool at times. So I can understand why Russ lost his cool if he was being, you know, spoken to in that way and Russ doubled down and said the reason why he said something about the wife as well is because the wife was saying things as well um I I wasn't there I don't know what I do know is we saw the guy's Twitter um and he seems to have a pretty aggressive stance towards Russ you know what I mean like there's a history there black people and black people in general like I'm not I'm not getting into that but like there's something that supports what Russ said and so if the wife doubled down and Russ lost his cool I understand it I still can't support you as an NBA player you know engaging like that my my thing would be why were they still at the game? Like there were like supposedly five warnings given to people in the stands, right? And if these if these things continue to happen without you ejecting someone from the game, um, you're going to wind up with situations that boil over like this. Like that's why there are warnings and then that's why there are steps taken. Once you've got one warning in there, start ejecting people. And I know that it's not good for the home team to do that because they're your supporters, right? Those are the people that patronize your business. Those That's how you make your money. Uh, but at some point, we, we do have to kind of protect not just the athlete, but the interaction between the athlete and the fan. We don't want it boiling over to where guys are threatening to fight each other and, and, and that takes place. You understand what I'm saying? So yep. I really feel like if they have been proactive about getting the fan out of there, this never happens. What is the soccer with them giving yellow cards at the right, game? Right. Give them red cards and toss them out of there. Here's what my conclusion is. Professional athletes cannot win. 
No. Yeah, well, that's true. They can't win in this situation because let's say Russ would have said, I want that fan removed. And he would have said, he would have been crushed. People say, ah, oh, well, I can't take it. Can't take Chris. And remember right. Justin Thomas, golfer, PGA tour. Totally. He had a pan, he got crushed for saying, oh, yeah, he, he just, he can't take the heckling. Danny, five days ago, James Dolan was exactly. on, no one's talking about that though. Right. He right. threatened to never let a guy back in the building again. Right. Well, he, he did. He threw him out, but he got crushed. That's what I'm did saying. Did he? Yeah, he got crushed. People are saying he's right. the worst. We, we actually did yesterday. Oh, okay, my bad. I wasn't owner in the history like, of sports. All right. Exactly. But that's my point. Justin Thomas got crushed for having a right. fan removed. Um, Here's and and then if you go after him like this, Russ is getting crushed today. So I know he can't do that. You know what Russell Westbrook didn't do? He didn't do anything. Correct. Physically, he Correct. did not do anything. They're expected to the professional athletes just to sit expected to sit there and just take it. Yes, you like, are. You are, but that's I, not cool. Well, that's it's not, not cool. And I understand. And like, I get he makes a lot of money. Yeah, but who cares? Like, who? Right. I don't give a damn how much money I make. I'm with like you. you talk to me any kind of damn way. Right. Like, I'm a human being. I'm a grown man too. Right. And so like. I know that we can't do this. I, I I know we can't, right? I got it. Like you, we can't have us yelling at at people. And, but man, I would love for it to be like, look, man, I just said it to Joey off, off off camera. Like, if you say some wild stuff to me, be prepared to have me say some wild Absolutely. stuff back to you and keep it moving. Like yes. you're running your mouth, like like uh, fans. If if you're built like that, right? If you're built like that, find Russ at the hotel. Say it to Russ there. If yep. you're built like that. Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's- Let's see, here's the problem with that. Is now you're gonna get sued. Fans, but you sued. would have some crazy fans that would show up, maybe they'd have a gun. You know, like, then you yeah, run into some serious No, I mean, like, you know what I mean? this is just <laughs> me talking out the side of my neck on, like, if you think you're a big man and you right. wanna sit up in the totally arena agree. and run your mouth. Right. Like, find, find somebody where, where the, the five degrees of security can't protect you from that, from that ass whooping. In Absolutely. The you know so what I mean? This is where, this is where I think cell phone videos, like, thank goodness they didn't have them when I was, cause of some of the stupid stuff I did, like, you know, partying and that type right, of right, thing. Right, right, right. Or said to fans, like, cause I've said, well, everybody's oh, been yeah. there. You've said stuff back to fans because you don't want to let, they don't, they shouldn't have just free reign. If they do, then the players should too. If you're not going to kick them out, then the players shouldn't have right. to sit there and just take it the way they did. He did not, and I, and people are crushing Russ saying, because he did say in their quote, um, you know, you and your wife, I'll bleep you up. After the game, Russ did you know, kind of expand on it, said that the man told him to get down on your knees like you're used to uh, and considered the comments to be racial and inappropriate, which I agree with. And he said, for me, I'm not just going to continue to take disrespect for my family. I understand all of that. The dude, he was interviewed afterwards uh, by a local TV station, and he said that it started off as fun. Stop. See, this dude... Stop. And this... I don't trust this guy Stop. at all. I think he's portraying himself in this oh, great light. He makes his wife on, man. look like this innocent bystander. Russ said his wife said the same thing. Like, exactly. Like, double down on it. Exactly. But Russ is going to get crushed for this, and I don't think that's right. Well, I don't think it's fair. Here's... Whether it's fair or not, here's what what what, what is real. Russ is easily aggravated. Right? Like, whether he's right or wrong in this situation, like, you, be the judge of it. Like, I don't care. He's like, easily yeah, but, Go ahead. But, but, and it's a real thing. Because now, it's not getting, like, you're not helping yourself, Russ. And this is just me as, a, as, as, like, I know Russell Westbrook. Like, you're not helping yourself. Like, I know you want to lash out. I know you want to stand up for players. I know a lot of players feel like this. You know? Like, damn, dog, you just going to talk to me any kind of way while I'm out here and I can't do anything about it. It's frustrating. But you're not helping yourself. Because now, everywhere you go, everyone knows I can get under Russ's skin. And every arena has a dude like that. Yep. Multiple dudes like that. Absolutely. They're only there to see if they can get under your skin. We live in a troll society, Danny. Yep. Like, everyone's out there to troll. And so they're going to be sitting right there, front and center, and as soon as Russ comes to town, they're going to be digging at him, digging at him, digging at him. And so, like, the more Russ does this, the more he sets himself up for more people doing it to him. Do you know what I mean? And on top of that, 
now you have to start to like, Russ, like you're a fantastic player. Your team's like in, in the hunt. Like I've even said on this program that I think they could potentially beat Golden State. If it's that easy for people to get you on tilt, like, Man, that's that's weapon. That's a weapon. You know what I mean? Here's where I think Russell Westbrook's going to probably face a pretty steep fine from Adam Silver in the NBA. Yeah. This is not the first time it's happened. Uh, there's video uh, earlier when he slapped the cell phone, and this was in Utah again out of the uh, fans. And that fan didn't yeah, look that didn't look like it was much. And that yeah. was a bad look for Russ. For but sure. he does have a hot temper. And right. this, is where, this is where you absolutely don't want to happen. But I think this is why Russ is going to get hit pretty hard with a pretty a steep uh, fine. Because they're going to say – this is a pattern that's occurring. Yeah. Reacting too much to the fans. Here's because a- in itself, I have no problem with Russ said. Even like it's not going to be popular, and you can't, you know, because there's a woman involved. No one's saying that it's okay. But I was raised as sticks and stones and break your bones. And Correct break, words and that. Like it's just words. It doesn't. And there's this. There was actually an article written by an attorney for Sports Illustrated saying, could this mean that he could face charges of assault? He just said stuff. The guy said probably infinitely worse things than he did. I'm not he worried. John back and forth with. I'm him. not worried about any of that. I don't care. Look, the, the bottom line is you were talking crazy to somebody. He talked crazy back to you. No right. physical altercation took exactly. place. Exactly. Everybody walked away. It'll never be real. But they're but the NBA will have to respond. Well, the NBA. What the NBA should do. Yeah, Russ should be fined. Yep. I got no problem with that. Like he should but be fine because we can't do that. Not be allowed. He to come should back be the banned for the year. Right. He should be. Right. Like you. You like if you're sending messages, send them to both sides. Right. If we're trying to like, like, uh, you know, bridge the divide between the two, like the fans that want to be obnoxious and whatever and the players that want to be protected. Like if you're the league, yes, do what you need to do with Russ financially, uh, find him appropriately. And if you're the jazz, like take it upon yourself to say, look, we don't tolerate that. We're going to send a message to our fans. They need to. You, you don't get to come back this year. Yep. For sure. Uh, all right. So there were only words exchanged in this little, uh, tussle with Russell Westbrook and the fan. Uh, there actually were some fists thrown. Uh, with Ibaka and Chris ejected for fighting in their yeah. game between the Cavs and the Raptors, this was a pretty good one. It too. was. Like, this got pretty. This got pretty intense pretty quick. That was interesting. He nothing happened there, and Ibaka. Oh, he choked <laughs> him. He got the choke uh, hold on him. Yeah, I wouldn't want to uh. mess with Serge Ibaka either. Like he seems a dude that would be a little bit like ride or die. Like you don't want to mess with him. Yeah, man, Serge is like, uh, you know, a lot he's of big, he's physical. Locked. Yeah, but there's nothing really that this there had to be a backstory. Had to be beef to this going on throughout the game. How like, often is in his head, right? How often do you see somebody like come up from behind and grab them by the front of the neck and try to choke them into the? That was great. That was awesome. Yeah, that was that, that was good. That was, see, I think the NBA. I like this. Yeah, I think the NBA gets too much criticism, and I think some of it's deserved. That players don't care about the regular season, you know, they just sure. get to the postseason. I want to see passion, and one way you can't fake passion is when dudes are ready to throw down. Correct. Like, I want to see more of this, and I think fans actually like seeing it too. And I know the NBA wanted to eradicate all of it with the malice of the palace, and you had it was getting too physical. Right. But I think this is actually good every once in a while to see players actually going at it like this. Um, nobody gets hurt in a big way. Usually they break it up pretty fast. You don't want it to spill into the fan and the stands because right. somebody get hurt. But I think it's I like hockey. I love it. I'm all I'm good for a little. You know, scrum. I like a good scrum too. I don't <laughs> mind it at all. Um, the NBA did have to you know crack down after the mouth mal- once that thing you know spills over into the stands like that's a whole nother set of like liability like issues and every and everything like that so they had to try to cut it out and they did like for the most part right like guys don't really get into it like the last you had chris paul and rondo earlier this year then you had that one that well, most of them me. are shoving Matt. they are because dudes don't want to lose those checks when right. you start losing two and three checks like that's a big deal back in the day you just get kicked out the game and right. you come back back the next yeah week, you know what roll. i mean but i i do think there's something too like if you want 
competition and you want guys to be engaged and fighting for every morsel on the plate. And that's, that's what competition is, right? Like pure competition is like, I eat or you eat. Yeah. Right. If you want guys to be like that every night out, you have to factor in a certain amount of that. Yep. Right. Otherwise, like, you know, we complain about like today's generation of guys, like everybody being buddy, buddy, and they're not being any, like no one really cares. Well, then you, you get that. But if you got guys out there scrapping for every morsel every night, again, you got to pencil in a certain amount of temples, tempers boiling over and, and, and there may be some, some, some fights involved. Provided it's not like every night and you don't have it spilled right. into the stands, like, you know, yeah, it's it, good for them. Yeah. All right. Welcome back, Canel and Bell. So the Warriors had, uh, an epically bad loss the other night to the Suns, who were awful. They had broke their, uh, 18 game losing skid. Against the Warriors, which you think shouldn't happen. The Warriors have this super team. They're all good. Yeah. Uh, so the Suns players didn't get the memo. No, exactly. They didn't. So <laughs> Steve Kerr. Road to Zion. Was apparently caught on tape. You know, lip, you can read his lips yeah. pretty convincingly where it's looked like he said, so bleeping tired of Draymond's bleep. <laughs> uh, but after Monday's practice, yeah. Steve Kerr wanted to clear things up. So he said, no, the lip readers were wrong. Right. What I said was I beg to differ with Draymond's approach tonight. <laughs> Those were my exact words. I don't know how somebody misconstrued that. Uh, it's kind of funny. I mean, this is one of those deals where I think Steve Kerr has a lot of patience. I think he really like grapples with how do I motivate these guys. Sometimes I think he just wants to throw in the towel, right? Like, just get us there. But it's his job to keep them motivated up for every game. I think I could coach the Warriors to a finals appearance. I don't know if I could get them to the whole. I don't know if I could win at all. You, yeah. I think I could go out there and get them to the finals. You're wrong. Why? But if you they're could, so good. Well, here's they're my question: team. If you could get them there, why couldn't you win it? Like, what, 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 where do you draw the line? Like, what, what, what would cause you to... All right, so I'm going to say I could win there it. There you then. go. Go ahead. All in. Don't go half-assed. Um, I actually... All right, you know about basketball. I think you absolutely could, and I'm not joking. Like, with me, I'm being, you know, I'm playing... I think you could. You know no. enough about basketball. No. I think you're a good enough people person. I think you would know what buttons to push. I think with the talent that's on that court, you could do it. Absolutely. 100%. You would be wrong. Why? I, listen, where does Steve Kerr make the difference? Steve, I, I'm not saying that, like... There aren't other coaches that could win with that team. I am not one of them. Like I haven't, I had like that, that coaching, like managing timeouts, like managing, like all of that, like that, you have to you learn that staff stuff. for that. You got like special analytics. Boy, if you look, all right. So if you're telling me I had the best coaching staff on the planet and me, like, and I'm just sitting there in the chair, not doing anything. And you're telling me that thing's just going to completely run itself. Maybe I, I got to give, I got to give Steve Kerr some credit because it's the same team, like minus Kevin Durant. Let's take Kevin Durant out. Yep. Mark Jackson had the team the year before. They weren't very good. They were okay. You essentially had pretty much the same roster, the same major pieces the next year. And Steve Kerr comes in, and now they've turned into this offensive, like, you know, juggernaut, like one of the best offensive teams of all time. So I think Steve deserves some credit for that. I love um, his humor. Like, I... Yeah, you know, I don't really have a beef with Steve. I've told my story about like, you know, kind of wanting an extension in, in, in Phoenix and Steve was part of the team. I didn't get it. Like I don't have a beef with Steve, but I think he's a, I think he's a, uh, self-deprecating enough dude, right? And he's got a good enough sense of humor, um, that he's able to do things with that roster that not everyone could. I think you're giving both of us too much credit, Danny. Like he really can, um, get away with some things in that locker room and with those guys that I don't know that we could. No, I do. I love his coaching style. I do. Uh, I love, and I think it helps that he played. I think that absolutely helps in that situation when you're trying to get the respect of a team where you have all these egos, you yep. got a lot of talent in that locker room. I think they do listen to him. I don't know if there's anybody that could motivate them to go out there and actually give 100%. Uh, 
100% every night because I don't think it's realistic. Uh, but I think it's it's frustrating to him at times. But I think the way that he handled this is like another example of why he's perfect for this gig. Yeah. Like he was fed up with Draymond, and he did say that, but he probably would say it to Draymond's the, face. The only thing better would have would have been if he if he came out at the press conference and was like, "Yeah, I did, I did say that." Yeah. Draymond knows it, right? Like, do you know what I mean? Because to your point, he probably said it to Draymond. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. And then he was, and then he kind of made light of it. Right. Uh, he's done other things where he's allowed them all to coach and take different roles within there. So I think he keeps it loose, keeps it fun, and yet knows when to dial it in. And I think the thing that's frustrating for him is at times he's like, hey, we need to dial in, and they don't. Right. Because they just know they all have to do is get to the playoffs. I think he's like an, I'm telling he's you, like you an, win. he's like an uncle. Like not a dad. Right. You know what I mean? Like the cool uncle. Like the cool uncle. Respect and look up to. And, and you'll and you'll work for the cool uncle. Like you'll mind his rules. Like you'll do what you need to do. But every now and again, you're not my dad, bro. Like do you know what I mean? Right. And that can backfire. But but like NBA players, because they're grown men, they don't want to. They don't want a dad. They'd rather have an uncle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they don't want somebody like tell, man. I'm 35 years old, bro. You ain't like you need to check yourself, homie. Like you ain't gonna just talk to me any kind of way, even though I am. Like employed to do what you need me to do. There's got to be some kind of, and so I think he approaches it like that, more of a cool uncle. And so for most of the time, everything's great. And then certain times, like when you really, really need something from him, you might run the risk of not being dad. How much of an NBA game is spent on like X's and O's strategy stuff, or is it really like fourth quarter regular situation? season? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not much, right? That's what I'm saying. Oh. I can roll it out there and say, "Let's go, guys, come on." You know, you know, you know what you do. Like you know your. But like, is it fourth quarter situations? Is that when the most the coach comes into play the most? Is it like out of bounds plays? Like who gets the last shot? Yeah, I think navigating the fourth quarter and down the stretch is huge, right? And you're talking about it used to be more. Well, it's even more important now because there are less timeouts. You know what I mean? So you really got to be strategic about when you're burning them and trying to stay in games. It used to be you could call seven of them like in the last minute, <laughs> right? Um, you know, and like game planning is in the regular season is tough. Like you'll come into a shoot around. And I'll give you four plays that they're going to run. Like, and, and we'll talk about, you know, how we want to like defend, defend or, them or, you know what I mean? And like our stuff, like we may make a tweak to it here and there, but basically our stuff is our stuff. And so, you know, games usually have their full players play, dude. Right. You know what I mean? Like you got better players. You can go out there. You're going to win a lot of games, but keeping guys like, you know, managing their foul trouble, like making adjustments on the fly to pick and roll coverage. If you're getting burned on something and you, you might have thought it was going to work and then you get in game and you're like, it doesn't really work. Now I got to come, you know, see to my pants. I got to come up with a new strategy. Like there is some stuff to that, but fourth quarter, um, executing, making sure you got, got the right play calls. If you don't have a point guard that that's like all star, you know, Hall of Fame level that you trust to do your stuff like that becomes really important for a coach. What was Luke Walton's record when he stepped in there? Wasn't it like thirty six and four, something like that? Like he was he was pretty damn good as his first job. And yeah, NBA. Luke Walton's a Hall of Fame coach. <laughs> <laughs> I like Luke, man. Luke I do too. Dude. I do too. But I think it kind of speaks to the but, point I'm making that it is kind of no. But Luke had been coaching there, like Luke, right. Like you're, he knew listen, the ins and outs. Yes, and he was. He had been at that point. He had been an assistant coach for like I don't know. Luke and I went to the coaching. So back in, I don't, I don't know what you Oh, mean. they have like, uh. NBA PA coaching, like top 100 camp. Yep. So we went through the coaching clinic with Brendan Sewer. It was Luke Walton, myself, Eddie Nahara, um, um, uh, Ime Odoka, like a lot of guys that wind up being NBA coaches now, right? Or, or assistant coaches. Um, you know, so Luke had been cutting his teeth as a coach back then. The year we locked out for a while, he went to, 
uh, Memphis and was on Josh Passenger's staff at Memphis. So he was learning the college game. So while you say Luke hopped in there and he was the assistant, man, Luke had been coaching for a long time. Like, you know, you and I haven't. That's just the right. difference. You know right. what I mean? For sure. Experience definitely matters there. Uh, your boy Dirk Nowitzki, we talked about this with Pete, uh, the other day, was, uh, had some interesting comments to the athletic. He came out and said, I don't, and talking about today's player, mm-hmm. he's been in the league a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's about winning as much as it is looking good on Instagram, Twitter, having <laughs> followers and having clicks and likes. I do agree 20 years ago, people weren't on their phones as much. I think Dirk is spot on. And I, the thing I, that I don't know is, is it a problem right. or is it just the new times that we're living with and you can still see greatness out there? I think it's probably uh, a problem for some. It's a problem. So the, it's all about optics, right? Like they're a pro, they might, the winning might still be the most paramount thing to these guys, right? Like, but their approach to that is different. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like they are more concerned with things now than we were at the time. Like, like, who cared? Like, we were just grinding, trying to win games in a gym. Like, these guys have more stuff going on. There's more, um, there's a wider casting net. You know what I mean? Like, they're affecting more people on a daily. They're getting more feedback from people on a daily. So they're more concerned with that. But that doesn't mean that they've sacrificed winning to do that. It just means they approach it a little differently, you know? And so sometimes, even for me, Danny, it's a hard thing to watch. Like, it really is. It's a hard, it's a hard thing for me to, it used to be when we grew up, when a coach is talking, where are your eyes? Right on your coach. Right. You, you go, you go talk to 11 year olds now, 12 year olds. None of them are looking at you. And I'm livid. Like, as their coach, I'm livid. Like, put the ball, everybody on the line. If you ain't, but if I took any of those 11 year olds that weren't looking at me and asked them what I just said, Every one of them would be able to tell me their ability to multitask and do, you know, things at at the same time is so much greater than ours was like the reason you have all eyes on people is so that that message sinks in. These kids now are so like their brains are so twitchy that they're able to like digest your information looking over here. So it's just it bothers me. But this this, they get it. They're getting it. Like, so, you know, we've said this on here before. I follow league fits. On Instagram, that's yeah. what I was pulling up yeah. on my phone. Yeah, yeah. Fit, so it shows all the outfits the dude. I think dudes are more worried about how they looked on League Fits on Instagram <laughs> going up to the game yeah, than they are in how they actually played the game. I don't know. I think they're more interested in the way they look than we good. did. I, right. But I don't know that that is affecting their ability to go out. Like, who says that because you spend 15 extra minutes getting your fit together that you're going to be 15 minutes less prepared to play the game? Right. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't – I don't think they they correlate like that. So I know why it rubs Dirk the wrong way, but I don't know it to be a fact. Uh, Kyrie was actually talking about it and said he hasn't logged on to social media in three months. Good for you, Reed. Uh, he had to get off Instagram, had to get off Facebook, had to get off Twitter. I, if I was a professional athlete, there was no way I could survive with the negativity that comes at you constantly in social media. Yeah. That's all people do. It'd be like having that fan that Russell got into it, having multiply that by thousands yeah. because they have even more keyboard courage Correct. where they can just fire off stuff at you and they don't care and it's going to be racist, it's going to be homophobic, it's going to be nasty. Like if you, if I had, a, if I was a professional athlete, because I think you do want social media for your brand, right? I would have somebody run it and say, "Don't even tell me about it. Don't I don't want to know because there's just too much negativity. It doesn't do anybody any good." All right, welcome back, Canel and Bell. So, League Fits, we're just talking about that on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Coca, who's out sick, you got to suck it up. No, his back hurts. Oh, mm-hmm. and you know how many times we've been in here with yeah, bad right? backs? I hurt right now. Up? Right, professional athletes. That's the difference. Uh, so he put me on his League Fits, and I was just, we were just perusing, uh, perusing the account. Yeah, dudes are walking in in. Fresh shoes, like they're wearing their whatevers, mm-hmm. and then they're carrying an extra pair. Right. And I was curious to know from you, are those game shoes 
or are they post game shoes? Game shoes. They're all game shoes. They're all but game see, shoes. To me, I was like, they would all just be waiting in your locker. Like when you get in there, your equipment manager has your game shoes ready to go. So maybe three times in my whole career, I brought a pair of my own stash to play in at the games. Three times in an entire career. Um, cause Nike would send you whatever. Yeah, your, your stock, your stock stuff. Like, right. right? You know, that goes straight to the manager. But, right. But now, Guys are playing in their own personal stuff all the time. Do you know what I mean? So they're walking in. When you see PJ Tucker, like he's walking in with his personal shoe collection stash and he's wearing a different pair of those every night. That has become an in vogue thing to do. So yeah, it has. he still has the ones with his trainer, like or his equipment dude, right. but he's they want to rock their own stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna start doing that every yeah. day for Canel and Bell. Just wearing <laughs> wearing a pair and then coming in with another one. There you go. By the way, shoe showdown, are you ready tomorrow? She, uh, yeah, is it on? Oh, it's on. Damn, I got right. some good you ones. Must have some bring it. I do. Yeah, I right. do. I've all been right. on StockX uh, a lot. <laughs> get new ones. All right. So uh, Lou Williams becomes yeah. the all-time leading bench scorer. I mean, perfect branding right there. We're in off the stock bench. shoes. <laughs> yes. Doesn't right. need to wear his own collection. Exactly. Lou, what the equipment manager gives him. Exactly. He's he's going out there. Um, he's the best to ever do it coming off the bench. Yeah. Uh, now becomes the all-time leading uh, bench score in NBA history. 923 games played, just 109 starts past Del Curry in their win last night over the Celtics. Anytime you can say uh, you can have all of all time next to your name, no matter what it is, it's special. Uh, Lou Williams said after the game, can't agree more. With being a sixth man and being a career bench player, to have an opportunity to be something that says ever at the end of it is special to me. Totally agree. I mean, it's awesome. It's, it's, a, it's a feat for him, but I think it also speaks to you don't have to be a superstar to make a really nice living, but I think it also speaks to him kind of knowing his role. And I think that's really uh, critical in professional sports for guys that come in, don't have the big ego, that are willing to go to work. Yeah. He's been that kind of consummate professional throughout his career. Um, Yeah, kudos to Lou Williams. Congrats, bud. Um, but don't get this twisted. Like uh-huh. He might not have a superstar-like personality or marketability or what, what have you, but he's got a superstar game. Like, that cat gets buckets, you know, and... You know, there's some guys that just fall into a mold where, you know, maybe his game doesn't have every single piece that you would want to build a franchise around. But his scoring ability is franchise building scoring ability. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, he might not have the vision. I'm not saying that he doesn't, but, but there may be reasons why he was typecast as kind of a six man type of deal. Um, but, but he does that. Well, it bubbles. What Did is wrong you? With you? <laughs> I love it. Um, that was in Salt off. Lake. That's Doc Shields behind me. Yeah, yeah, shout out Doc Shields. Was it really hard for you to come off the bench, or did like did you play better as a starter, or did you like? Because I always felt it was really tough, especially in baseball, but as a backup in in, in football too. You're and it's different because as a quarterback, you just thrown in there, and all of a sudden you're in the mix. Like you can't go in, get a little loose, then come out, then go back yeah. in. So it was really hard for me to come off the bench. Like, I- Struggle. I was better as a starter. Yeah. I mean, typically, I think as, you are too. Like, I yeah. think in general, it'd be easier mindset. To think I'm going from the start. You're going from the start. I, typically, if you're a starter, you get more minutes though. So you, you know, you get into yeah, you better rhythm flow. and all that kind of stuff. But, but all I really cared about was consistency. What I didn't like was being jerked around. So like starting a couple games and then, you know, I sit the bench for like four games and then, you know, I mean, I needed, I, I liked my rhythm. I liked my routine. Yep. Uh, Connor McGregor was arrested last night. I'm going to tell you what went down or my hunch of what okay. happened in Miami. He was at the Fountain Blue at Club Live. Was leaving the club and apparently he was arrested because a fan tried to take a photo of him with his cell phone. McGregor slapped the phone out of his hand, then stomped on it several times. My hunch, he was probably with somebody he shouldn't have been with. <laughs> take that for whatever you want. And he was like, I don't want those pictures out there, so I'm going to do whatever it is. Conor McGregor has one of the best, biggest tempers out there. Yeah. Tempers flared. 
ultimately is it probably going to do anything? You know, he'll get he'll get slapped with probably serious fine. Yeah, uh, he is in some legal trouble, but he's going to have attorneys that'll go out there and settle for him. But that's my hunch is that he hey. probably photoed with somebody he wasn't supposed to. Oh, be you with. know who I'm not messing with coming out of a club? If Conor McGregor. I ain't even. McGregor. If he says no picks, I'm like, whoop, good, putting I'm good, it right dude. down. Yeah, anybody who is in some kind of combat sport, dog, like let them be. I don't even. You know what? As a general rule of thumb, I'm on the other side of the club from you. Like I don't want to be near you. <laughs> exactly. I don't want there to be any kind well, of he like. Would be fun. Yeah. They already have video from inside of Club Live where he's already jawing with somebody else. Well, like he was getting into it before he That's left. why I don't want to be near you. If right. I'm in your party, like, okay. Like, right. if I'm rolling with Connor, yeah. but dog, I don't want any situation in which you might think I hit you and now we're arguing over a drink or now my wife is involved and now I... Football's like, the same way. Like, I used to be kind of, There were certain guys that I would go out with and I'd be nervous. I'd be like, this could go south. Right. I was always like kind of arms like, <laughs> like, those dudes are over there. Right. If it throws, like, not that I have any problem like getting your buddies back. Right, right. I'm not getting arrested for anything. Like, you know, like, you gotta be smarter than that. And some guys, as great a teammates as they were, they weren't very smart. Right. And they had tempers and they wanted, they like kind of looked for fights. Yeah. I'm like, that ain't my game. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go down like that. <laughs> um, dog racing. Let's finish it off with I did a rod. Yeah. All right. So the world famous, Dog sledding race that takes place in Alaska, I believe, right? In the Bering Sea I, coast. I, I don't know. So there's a dude, a musher, mm-hmm. Nicholas Petit. He blew a five hour lead in the Iditarod after he yelled at one of his dogs. What? And get this, the rest of the team shut down, refused to keep going. They wouldn't go. Solidarity, this is the baby. Ultimate ride or die pack of dogs. I think I love this because I love a dog lover. Everybody's a dog lover, right? How can you not be a dog lover? But the pack actually didn't like the way he handled his uh his other his lead dog. I don't. I get into this with. I'm not a dog lover. You're not. I'm not. I mean, I not like. Are you scared of dogs? I, I, no. I I, don't, I just don't. Like I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with dogs. I just don't love them. No, nope. she just don't like animals. I, I, I like them. They're fine. Like I don't need them to be. You guys don't have a dog. We do have a dog. <laughs> you just don't like. I just it. don't. I, I. He's fine. He doesn't like. I say to my wife, like she's always like, oh my god, I can't believe you don't love Nike. Nike's our dog. And I'm like, <laughs> for the brand. Yeah. I'm like, I just. He doesn't really like enrich my life in any way, man. I don't know. Maybe he can feel that I don't no, but love they him. Say that people with dogs live longer lives and they're happier. Well, I, I'll, I'll gladly reap the benefits if that's true. I just don't know that I. They don't do a whole lot for me. All right, good stuff. We'll <laughs> keep an eye on free agency. I'm sure more money's going to be spent. Back at it tomorrow.